Welcome to the Texas Values Report. This is Jonathan Sines, president of the Texas Values. Great to be with you on a Saturday afternoon in the great state of Texas. I'm going to be on the baseball field later today, and I tell you what, with everything that's happened this week, it's going to take on a little bit deeper meaning. I'm going to be with a group of kids on the All-Star team that I'm coaching. That's a whole other story. I'll get into that in just a minute and how much fun I'm having with that and what a honor and privilege and pleasure it is to coach young people And, you know, so much about baseball talked about with the incidents in Virginia with our congressmen and and aides this week. I'll talk a little bit about that later. But we got a special guest on the show this week, a a timely guest. Always seems timely. But uh, with so much happening in the state of Texas, you know, the work we do, we focus on faith, family and freedom as it relates to the state of Texas. But there's no question the leadership we have in our state impacts the rest of the country. And that's why I'm so excited to have as our guest today, Texas Attorney General Ken Paxton. General Paxton is the 51st Attorney General in Texas. He was elected in 2014. He was sworn in in 2015. He is the state's top law enforcement officer. He leads more than 4,000 employees. Wow, that's a whole lot to do. 38 divisions, 117 offices, including 750 attorneys. Wow, that's impressive. A lot of work that he's in charge of. But you'll see him out a lot doing media interviews, talking about this issue. He's a lawyer himself. He's a graduate of Baylor University and also the University of Virginia Law School. And I'm a former constituent of his when he served in the Texas House and then later in the Senate. General Paxson, welcome back to the Texas Values Report. Hey, Jonathan, I appreciate you having me back. Thanks. I hope you're having a good day. Well, you know, I am. I tell you what, there's just been so much that's happened this week and then actually ending things up last week. I want to talk a little bit about some policy issues. I know your employees and your work is focused on what happens legally, but certainly the laws that the state passes, the governor signs, does impact the work that you do. So I want to start there, and then I know there's been some important updates on some court cases, and I want to let you talk a little bit in detail about that. And so... Just the other day, it's been two days now, the governor vetoed some bills. He signed some bills. A week ago, he announced that there's going to be a special session, which was a really big deal. I mean, one of the issues that our organization has been involved in is the privacy issue and making sure that men and boys are not in girls' bathrooms on government property. I know that's something that the folks on your team have been very concerned about. You actually filed a lawsuit on that issue that was successful that I think had certainly an impact on protecting privacy in our state when you got a win on that in federal court and a nationwide injunction to stop the Obama letter. But then you had Trump come in, and I think that had something to do with him feeling like, you know, with a court ruling out there, that he could withdraw the uh, he could withdraw the letter. And so you had that situation. And so as I understand it, which I think is is certainly very encouraging, but that litigation is now has now stopped or it's not moving anywhere because that letter's been withdrawn from the Obama administration. But you saw the legislature wanting to put something in place, not getting anything done. The Senate got something done, no surprise, but the House didn't. And so we're going to see these issues play out, I think, when the session starts July 18th, since the privacy issue is on the call. But but I would believe that your staff and your team continues to be committed to this issue, whether it means you have to go into court, whether it's defending a state law that may get passed, 
and I know you can't project about what the legislature is going to do, but I know your commitment, your team's commitment on the privacy issue hasn't changed one bit, and it's probably even more important at this point. No, absolutely right, Jonathan. You know, it's so easy for, uh, I think, all of us when issues like this uh, pop up just to say, well, it's not that big of a deal. We'll just let this one go. But this just this is an example of what uh, stepping up and speaking out can do. It, Texas was the first state to step into the fight to sue the federal government. We we ultimately had 12 states join us, and then we helped uh, Nebraska file a similar lawsuit. So we ultimately had, if you count North Carolina, there were 24 states involved when initially no one really wanted to say anything. And so it, it's, it's these really important issues that sometimes I think you could easily just let pass. And fortunately, we have uh, we have people in Texas that are that are willing to stand up and say, no, we're not going to just let that pass. Texas is a leader and we're not going to just let things pass that ultimately could do great harm to our kids. And that's ultimately who we did this for. We did this for the school children of Texas and really for our school districts that otherwise would have suffered and lost funds if they had not been complicit or complied with these what we considered and I think have, have proven out to be largely illegal uh, guidelines that were issued by the Obama administration. Well, and you you know, it's interesting because all of that happened in the interim, if you will, before the legislature met, and some of it started to actually uh, carry over into the legislative session because during, you know, this spring during the legislative session was when Trump rescinded this letter, and, you know, your team represented the Herald ISD and the superintendent out there came and testified in favor of legislation that the state was been trying to pass to address this issue. And while I think everyone has full confidence in your ability and your team to go into court and to get good things done and to be successful, I think a lot of people recognize a more long-term approach or part of the strategy should be having a state law so school districts aren't wondering what to do and other people aren't giving them bad advice on some of these issues. And so it was great to have um, David Thweet come in and testify in support of this legislation, trying to find a solution to this growing problem. And then, you know, one of the things I wanted to mention, too, some legislation that was that was signed into law this week was related to some things that you said after the Supreme Court ruled on the marriage issue a couple of years ago, that we had to make sure we've got religious freedom protection in place when it comes to people's beliefs about the issue of marriage. So one of the things that was signed was House Bill 3859 by James Frank and Charles Perry, which makes it clear that child welfare providers do not have to go against their faith-based beliefs when providing these um, adoption and foster care services. That was something you talked about in a letter that you issued after the Supreme Court ruling on marriage. The other thing you talked about was the concern about county clerks. So there was a law that was passed with some language that was signed earlier this week, too, that allows a mer- excuse me a county clerk to remove their name from a marriage license and also a marriage application. And so um, I do think it's fair to say some of the things that you laid out a year and a half ago that the legislature should look to address because of possible legal concerns. Um, it sounds like many of them have heard that concern of yours and stepped up. And so I just want to thank you for lending your voice to that. And I feel like um, re- certainly being a part of the state legislature recognizing these issues need to be addressed. Yeah, and I, I think part of it is, you know, I was also in the legislature, so I knew, I know that there's, other than being in court, there, there are preemptive things that you can do, and that is pass laws that protect people from being uh, discriminated against because of their religious beliefs. And 
certainly that was a risk. It's happened in other states with adopting, you know, people adopted providers who, because of their religious issues, um, were basically cut out of the adoption market. And so, obviously, that would be detrimental to, to Texans. It'll be detrimental to, to kids that are, are needing to be adopted. And so, it was really important to, to me and my office that we encourage uh, legislation that, that provides the protections that are needed to protect families and providers from discrimination. Well, there's no doubt about that. Uh, 25% of the of the providers for Child Protective Services are faith-based. Uh, many of them said that they had stopped operating. I know Catholic Charities had said they had stopped, stopped operating because they were concerned that they didn't have specific protection in law. Now that's in place. There's a pro-life law that's been signed into effect that addresses the issue of the sale of baby body parts, of the dismemberment, abortions that now are banned because of some of the things that Planned Parenthood was doing. Let's also jump real quick to the Texas Supreme Court, and then I want to conclude with an update you've got about this issue in court case dealing with immigration. The Texas Supreme Court um, says has been saying the past couple of years by the end of June they're going to they're going to finish all their business similar to what the U.S. Supreme Court says, which means they have yet to rule on this case related to forcing taxpayers to use funds when it comes to same-sex benefits, which is a, a state law that we have that doesn't allow that, that started pre-Obergefell, the same-sex marriage decision, your office was a part of a brief that the um, the governor and also lieutenant governor was a part of supporting the position that, look, federal law does not supersede, excuse me, a federal court decision, a lower federal court decision does not supersede our state court's decision, and that the courts, excuse me, the Texas Supreme Court should take a closer look at this issue and be careful about what precedent that they're following in these kind of issues. And so, you know, we're going to have an update by next week on what the Texas Supreme Court is going to do on this issue. And it should be interesting because a big part of the position was that the Supreme Court might have ruled that marriage between uh, two people, the states cannot stop. I disagree with how that ruling came out. But they didn't rule that states are required to use tax dollars to um, supplement, if you will, to um, use taxpayer funds for these things, for same-sex benefits, similar to, to the abortion issue. And so I just want to say thank you again for the brief that you submitted um, for our case on this issue. It's going to be real interesting to see what happens. So if you'll address that, and then tell us about this immigration decision that's come up this week. Sure. The case you're talking about is, is really important. You know, the Supreme Court, as you and I both know, they sometimes, I think, overstep their bounds and, and, and go beyond what anything uh, anything is written in the Constitution. And this is an important case. And what I like about it, too, is that we had the opportunity to work with the governor's office and the lieutenant governor's office to show a united front uh, regarding this issue. So I'm really optimistic. You know, the Texas Supreme Court has has done a pretty good job, and I'm, I'm really hopeful that they'll 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 issue a good ruling. And as far as the case you were you were mentioning related to immigration, this, this was one of my our, my first cases when we came into office. We were in district court on this immigration case that was a 26 state coalition led by Texas. It related to uh, President Obama, you know, for basically six years, had said that he didn't have the authority that it was totally up to Congress to change immigration law, and yet. After saying that for six years, over 20 times, he came out in November of 2014, and he changed the law. And he said, I'm changing the law. So we sued him with the 26-state coalition. We were successful early on in getting a, an injunction to stop that from going into effect. 
the Department of Justice under the Obama administration appealed to the Fifth Circuit. We won there, and then they appealed to the United States Supreme Court. And unfortunately, uh, Justice Scalia had passed away, and we had a tie vote, so we ended up winning. And uh, yet we still had to go to trial. The Obama administration asked us to hold off on that until Trump's office came in. The Trump administration asked us to hold off, and ultimately we were getting ready to go to trial. And and we're grateful that President Trump uh, basically rescinded that policy, and uh, we've been successful in, in stopping another huge federal overreach and a huge violation of the Constitution by the previous president. Well, look, these principles of law are very important. You know, sometimes as lawyers, you and I, and we're talking with uh, Texas Attorney General Ken Paxton, who's talk, giving us some updates on court cases. We talked about some policy issues. But, you know, you and I as lawyers, sometimes we might appreciate or understand some of these principles of law a little bit better than other people, not because necessarily we're smarter than them. It's just the work we do. But everyone should appreciate this. I mean, whether it's Trump, whether it's Obama, when you have a an executive who's got these powers, who's using them, abusing them, using them in the wrong way, not following procedure, not following law, bypassing uh, branches of government. You know, it, it endangers so many other areas of our lives. If and, and this is a great example of seeing what you have in a difference in, in administration and an opportunity to address these issues. And also for your team and other states that you are part, they're a part of this issue of seeing it through, you know, and, and Look, elections have consequences. You know, we'll see some differences there, but I think it'll give people an opportunity to look, look, when we're trying to follow the law, when we're, we should hold people accountable, regardless of what party they are. And sometimes you got to go into court to address these issues and see it through for quite a bit of time. So look, we know you got to go to another meeting. I am thankful for your leadership and so thankful for uh, the team that you have, you and Angela together. I know she's so in important part of your support. She's your your main partner there. And um, we love every time we get to visit with y'all and are just encouraged by the work you're doing. All the team over there, Jeff Mateer and the, the staff up and down on what they're doing. And so we look forward to having you back again. I hope you get a chance to, um, to enjoy some of that family time this summer, like I'm going to try to do. But we know where we're called. We know where Christ calls us, and we know we're called to serve. Well, thanks, Jonathan. You're doing great work. I appreciate the uh, the pers- perseverance that you've had in dealing with you know constitutional issues, family issues, certainly life issues, and uh, your work uh, has had great meaning over the last uh, decade or more. So, thanks for having me on, and and have a great day. God bless you, sir. Good good stuff. Thank you. Well, that's great to have uh, General Paxson squeeze in a little time for us. His schedule is just ongoing, as you heard some of the things that he's doing. But very important, his leadership, his character is very important. Uh, Continue to pray for him. I mean, it is no easy task to take on these big issues, to unite other states, to travel around, to lead a staff, as we were talking about, of 4,000 employees, 38 divisions, um, countless media appearances, but they have value. So I alluded to this at the beginning, the baseball incident that happened this week with a member of Congress, congressional aides, a shooting at their practice, which is something I wasn't aware of, and, and you know maybe it's hard to believe as a baseball fan. I didn't realize that there was this congressional game. I don't know. Maybe I'd heard about it before, but just really interesting because I've spent a lot of time this week on the baseball field with my son um, coaching his all-star team, which um, that's – got to talk a little bit more about that on, on another show. We've got a tournament this weekend. Just pray for us and 
safety for the kids. It is a hard ball that's hit. Sometimes uh, we had a kid get a black eye in practice this week. It's a game, though, that I think oftentimes has been a symbol of uniting our country, of people, of generations, of cultures, and and it's it's special. And so, you know, it was it was troubling to see the incident happen this week, but it was also remarkable to see an opportunity for Democrats and Republicans, whatever, liberals, conservatives, come together and support each other. You know, I mean, look, there are differences politically and culturally, morally. I, I just, I don't, I don't feel like I'm ever in a position where I want harm to the other side, if you will, or people that disagree with me on issues. Some people do. I understand that. I'm, I'm aware of that. It's unfortunate. I, I certainly do not want anyone that's a part of the work that I do or, or words that they hear from me in any way to mishear or, or to think that any of that would ever be condoned. You know, but people do take matters in their own hands sometimes. And we're thankful that there are people there to protect others when that who sometimes are targets, you know, and I'm not an elected official. I've received death threats before. I, you know, I don't probably don't have the same visibility as some of the the folks that come onto my show, but but there, you know, there have been times where I have felt that sense of, you know, maybe there was some type of threat or whatever. I don't think about it all that much, but every now and then, and I would think these elected officials, they've got security folks that are with them, so they probably feel secure, right? They probably feel some sense of safety over time as well, and then something happens, and you're reminded how much of a target they can be and get some appreciation for the sacrifice they make, the service that they're a part of, and it's not to be taken lightly or taken for granted. And so we'll just continue to keep them in prayer. And, you know, uh, you, you think about these things. I mean, they call baseball the pastime, like it's kind of, you know, just something that you do for fun. I mean, it's become much more than that. I mean, it's a business when you think of Major League Baseball. But, you know, as kids and, and as and adults now, I mean, it's fun to get out there in the game, and it's fun to get out on the field and, and enjoy some of that time together and, you know, to hit the ball around, run around the bases and just, you know, so it's uh, is um, very troubling to see what happened this week and for it to hit home. You know, there was a someone who was an aide for Congressman Roger Williams here from the Central Texas area who, as I understand, was a student or a graduate of the University of Texas. And so a lot of people taking a look at that. So I talked about, and I'm going to transition here for a minute, I talked about some things that were passed with General Paxton, House Bill 3859. This bill was no doubt the most important, if you will, our top priority, not that other pieces of legislation weren't important, but the one that we felt like we were going to spend the most time on, and if we could get one thing done on religious liberty, if it only came down to that, that this one would be it. And a lot of groups united behind that, individuals united behind that, because, you know, look, we're called to serve as Christians. And if faith-based adoption and foster care services and providers are not allowed to operate based on their beliefs, if they're not allowed to have the belief that marriage is between a man and a woman and that abortion is the taking of a life, the state needs them. I mean, the state has reached out to them and said, we need your help because they can't meet the needs of, of children in Texas. They can't. I mean, they're in, you know, that uh, Child Protective Services is in a lot of trouble 
just as far as operating, 25% of the providers for adoption and foster care services in Texas are faith-based. But many of them have come under attack. They've been threatened with litigation. They've been threatened that they're not going to receive grants if they continue to follow their Christian beliefs on morality when it comes to the work that they do. And so they should not have to sacrifice those things just to serve children and have the state push them out of this effort to help. And, you know, look, I, you know, a few years ago, I took someone into my home who's a family member who did need a home. It's a special thing to do. And, you know, he was a teenager. He was in high school. But, you know, I had an extra bedroom. And, you know, my daughter had just been born. I mean, we had three children. It, you know, likely was not an ideal time if there ever is one. But but he had the need then. And so we brought him into our home and were able to help him graduate from high school. I feel really good about that and the role that I played in that a year and a half or so of his life, you know, it takes some sacrifice, but also some commitment. But some of that really came from my own faith. And it was certainly a family connection, but I had felt, and I didn't have, you know, I don't have a, a big house, but we, you know, did have an extra bedroom that was not being used and, you know, as, as a guest room. And I thought, well, then we should not just let it sit empty, you know, and only have it when people come into town. Let's let him move in to our home and use the room. And he did. And it's so funny because how long has it been? Six years. And my children were very little when Daniel, my cousin Daniel, lived in our house, but they still call it Daniel's room. (laughs) He only used the room and lived at the house for a year and a half. They were very little. My daughter was only 18 months. No, I'm sorry. I was saying about the time he moved out and moved back to Houston, she was 18 months. She had just been born, but my boys were like, three and four, and then four and five. They were very little, but they still call it Daniel's room. And so, and now it's back to being a guest room or the laundry room sometimes, whatever it may be, um, as my boys like to share a room. Even though they could they could use that room, they still like sharing a bedroom. And my daughter has a room. And so, you know, children need people to open up their homes, and providers need to be able to match people with a home that matches with them. And that's what happened in our situation. Daniel was a good match for us at that time. Now, obviously, he was a family member, so it was an even stronger connection, you know, but we took him to church with us, you know, and he got very interested and we um, had him a part of our life, you know, and for a year and a half or so. There are kids out there that are looking for those opportunities. There are faith-based providers that want to live out their faith of serving people, of making sacrifice by doing this. So House Bill 3859 gives them that legal protection and law that was missing. There was also a law that was signed regarding county clerks not having to put their um, their signature, excuse me, their name on a marriage license and a marriage application, which is not as far as I think we needed to go on this issue, but we'll come back and take a look at that next time. But next legislative session, but at least we got a little bit done on that issue. And very important. I mean, clerks have been threatened that they need to resign, that they need to quit. Some have resigned because of the pressure and retired because of the continuing pressure. There's one justice of the peace up in the Dallas area who's, you know, really had people follow him home, have said a lot of ugly things, have done a lot of media work to try to get him or social media work to try to get him to leave his office, just made it very difficult on him. 
and really targeted and attacked him. And so, but what has not been done yet is the privacy issue. So we're going into a special session. We have our end of fiscal year coming up at the end of June. If you have already given a gift to us, thank you. Think about giving another gift. If you haven't, this is where it really counts. And I, and I shouldn't say it that way. All this, the support we get counts. But these last two weeks, we go from July 1st to June 30th. That is how our calendar runs instead of January 1st to the 31st of December. So we end at the June 30th. We have got to balance our budget. We have got to bring in enough funds, donations to cover the expenses that we have incurred. You've heard us talk about it a lot on this show. I'm going um, – you know, I'll be back in my office on Monday. I'll probably get calls over the weekend on some of the issues we work on. You know, we were at the city council this week fighting for homeschoolers. We were able to help defeat a curfew during the daytime, which oftentimes are used to come after attack or to single out um, homeschoolers, or they get caught in this, you know, web of all of these laws. That law was not extended. It was voted down. They wanted to extend it another three years. We had our policy analyst, Nicole Hudgens, there, who's a homeschool graduate herself testifying against that and the city council believe it or not voted against it they didn't vote to extend it go to txvalues.org make a tax deductible donation today it'll be the best investment you can make for faith family and freedom in the state of texas